0: This week on the Recruitment Flex, Apple Vision Pro, as cool as the demo shows, or rare Apple Flop? Canada's new immigration plans make a lot of common sense. And we reopen the debate over job hopping. Plus, will recruiters be replaced by talent concierge? The Recruitment Flex starts after this message from our partner at Van Hack. <laughs> Hey there, Shelly. Have you heard about VanHack?
1: Oh, you mean the HR tech sensation that's taking the recruitment world by storm?
0: That's the one. VanHack is revolutionizing how companies find top talent globally.
1: Imagine connecting with skilled professionals from all around the world without the hassle.
0: Absolutely. VanHack has a great team and seamless technology where recruiters and companies can discover talent with ease.
1: And they have a talent pool specifically curated for tech professionals.
0: Tech-savvy and globally connected, just what every company needs.
1: VanHack offers tailored solutions for companies of all sizes, from startups to Fortune 500 giants.
0: So if you're ready to take your recruitment game to the next level, join VanHack today.
1: Yeah, visit VanHack and unlock a world of talent right at your fingertips.
0: VanHack.com, where global recruitment meets simplicity. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour and welcome to the Recruitment Flex. Shelly, how are you today? Hey, Serge. It's
1: a beautiful day in my neighborhood. So do you have central air conditioning in your house? No, I don't. You don't? Some houses don't need it depending on the which direction you face and all that stuff, but in my condo which was built in the late 70s, it can get up to 30 degrees Celsius on the second floor. I am happy to say I just had someone here to assess putting in some central air.
0: Like For us, I'm always in the basement complaining of how cold it is. And we do an exchange of air from the basement to like the upper
1: floor. Yeah. And it's
0: never that bad, right? Obviously, if it's plus 40 Celsius outside, it gets warm everywhere. We've got some exciting things coming up. We are launching completely new branding of the Recruitment Flex, or now called trf.org, that we'll be leveraging in the future. New colors, new pictures, new art, new website new podcast covers a lot is coming out this friday when this episode is released so when you see us in our feed and you see a different picture it's all coordinated it's all planned and hopefully you like it but please i really want some feedback on this brand
1: i know our audience is going to love it and i do want to give a shout out to david still he just rebranded his company they now call themselves medium m-e-d-m medium and he dragged us through this branding process listen if you think it's easy, it's not. <laughs> no. It was a long process and getting it right and making sure we agree, we feel it it represents us. We had a like an absolute bombed failure with our first photographer. So this second one, Svetlana, man, she just knocked it out of the park.
0: Yes, you're very story. hard to please. But the pictures of the second no. photo shoot were way better. I completely agree with you.
1: So, it's been a long journey, is the message. And it is a lot of work. It's an investment into taking things to a next level. So,
0: and also, I want to shout out our new partner, Van Hack. So, Van Hack mm. is based in Vancouver. I'll tell you, Ilya and the team are amazing. And if you are looking for talent across the world, Van Hack is the place to go, or even local talent, do check them out, vanhack.com. On another note, Shelly, Uh, Yesterday, I was a little bit curious about Apple releasing a new product. Every time Apple Mm -hmm. releases a new product, it changes the game, right? Like you think about the iPod to the iPhone to... iPad, yeah, for sure. The iPad, the Mm -hmm. AirPods. They really change a whole industry. And I've been saying for a long time that the AR, VR space is dead, right? The metaverse is never going to happen. Like the only application that I saw for them was to play games and I have no interest in playing video games until I saw what Apple unveiled yesterday or two days ago. They unveiled the Apple Vision Pro, and I'll read what they say. It's a spatial computer that seamlessly blends digital content with the physical world while allowing users to stay present and connected to others. Vision Pro creates an infinite canvas for apps that skills beyond the boundaries of a traditional display and introduces a truly three-dimensional user interface. I watched the video. I was blown away. So picture this. You're sitting on your couch. You want to put a movie on. You've got this headset that you can see true. You it's a can, headset? It, well, it's a headset. Yeah. It's a full like AR headset. Oh. But wait till you see it, though. It looks pretty cool because I it's got it I have to in the front. What I thought really cool, you're sitting on your couch, you want to pull a movie up. You can make it the size of whatever you want. You can make it the size of a big screen. And that's how visually you're seeing it. You can use it as a full computer, basically rotating through the different apps with your eyeballs, then clicking with your fingers on the app you want to open. I thought it was really cool. I'm like, I'm going to get one of these. But then I saw the price. Guess what the price is?
1: (sighs) Well, Apple's not shy about charging a premium, right? I don't know. I couldn't even guess. Because what's a regular VR, like the old style VR headsets? Those were $1,000?
0: That's a good question. Actually, I have no clue. Oh, okay, But the pricing of this one is 3500 US. So you're looking at around 5000 Canadian to wow. buy this headset. So it's the price of a used car. <laughs> That changed my mind. I'm not going to be spending $5,000 on a headset. But aside from that, it is really cool. The only factor, and I think this is where Apple might have it wrong. They might. They've proven me wrong before, is no one wants to wear those those big gawky headsets, right? Like it's still a substantial size. It's very similar, not at the same level of the Google glasses. And that never went anywhere because people Mm. don't want to wear anything on their face. And you think about like 3D TVs, it never blew up because people didn't want to wear like the sunglasses or eyeglasses. I'm very curious to see if this is actually going to be an Apple success or a failure, which I can't think of many failures they've had.
1: Well, one of the things that Apple does really well is understanding the customer. They don't build anything without an awful lot of research and consultation. There's got to be a big market for this. or They certainly wouldn't have gone all in on this. So it's interesting to watch. It's not my thing either. uh, I found them very disorienting.
0: Well, this one you can see true, which is the big difference. then your apps pop up in front of you, someone pops in, your apps go away. So you're still involved in the conversation, but you're still looking like a geek. And what I thought was interesting, every time a new product is released, the CEO of Apple is using it. They have the Apple watch, they have the iPhone in their hand. No one has seen Tim Cook wearing this. I'm wondering if that's on purpose, but we will see. So You know, we talked about last week,
1: just wanted to get a little update from you about what's happening in Halifax. How are things looking? How is your team doing?
0: Yeah, so the fire was contained, I believe, this weekend because they got quite a bit of rain. Still a lot of people displaced, still a lot of people that can't get to their house. And we're seeing fires not only in Halifax, like there's Shelburne, which is getting a massive forest fire that's out of control. We're still seeing in Alberta. And I haven't read up on it, but I'm seeing major forest fires in Quebec. I don't know if you saw that.
1: Yes, Yeah, I heard. And I was actually in a meeting this morning with someone who was calling in from New Jersey. And it's blowing right down on them. They're even saying on the news, please stop calling 911. There is no fire near us. There's smoke in the air. It has moved south. But on that topic... There was an article where there was a private firefighting company out of northeastern Oregon, which, of course, their terrain is very similar to BC and Alberta. So they're susceptible to wildfires as well, all the way down the coast, actually, to California. But this company was fined for paying firefighters and truck drivers a flat daily rate of $200 to $250 a day to fight wildfires, regardless of overtime. The company is actually having to pay $152,000 in overtime wages and fringe benefits to 57 of their firefighters and staff, as well as damages. Like flat rate means no matter how many hours you work, you just get paid your daily rate, which why would somebody do that to such a critical or essential service? So I'm glad that the workers got together and filed a suit against them because there are laws around overtime and having to pay overtime. I always say that labor laws are built to protect the workers and not the company. Mm. And this is a great case in point.
0: Yeah. And I think what they tried to do here is classify their workers as independent contractors. And that wasn't oh, a reality. It was highway robbery. And these are not like firefighters that spend 10 hours at a station and wait for one fire. You're in fires. the wildfires. Yes. I had to look at what does an average firefighter make in Canada? Obviously, it mm-hmm. varies from province to province, but someone starting off, it's around $25 is the average in Canada, and the median is around $45 an hour. Mm-hmm. These people weren't getting half of that fighting the most challenging fires that, and the most dangerous, and extremely the most dangerous. 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 Yeah. It goes to the point of if you allow companies to do what they want, they will take advantage of workers.
1: Shame, shame, right? shame. Shame. Yes. Let's, publicly shame.
0: KL Farms, otherwise known as Fire LLC. Fire LLC. Okay, don't so, work. There. Let's just call them out. Want to yes. jump into the news. Okay. Again, we're news. getting more labor information of the latest job numbers in the U.S. So I'll give you the highlights for April. U.S. job openings hit 10.1 million, which was an increase from 9.5 million before. Really concerning and trying to figure out what exactly is going on because there is no sign by the labor numbers, both in Canada and the U.S. of any job slowdown. If we're going back to 2020 or pre-pandemic, the numbers are still higher. We're still in a very hot job market. And Shelly, I, I got to admit, I don't get it. I do not get what's going on because I am seeing the data who are bellwethers in the industry of what's going on as far as job postings. ZipRecruiter, Indeed, Dice, they're down 20, 30, 40% in openings on their site. I am going to question the reliability of this data. It doesn't seem accurate because it seems there's two different economies out there. And what I'm worried about, Shelley, is this is painting a picture that our economy is actually way stronger than what we think it is. And people keep spending because household debts have gone up. And with the rates of mortgages, when they come up to renewal in 2025, 2026, we might be going down a pretty big downhill. I'm hoping I'm wrong. What's your take on this?
1: I'm with you. Anybody who's having to renew their mortgage this year, certainly here in Canada, I just feel so badly for them because even if you've got the best credit in the world, you are not going to be able to renew your mortgage for anything less than 7%. And I've not seen that, honestly, since the late 70s, right, here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Anyways, back to this article. What was interesting in April was that layoffs actually fell. Again, we're talking about April compared to March. But the number of people quitting their jobs, that means they're confident that they can find something else, something better paying or better working conditions elsewhere, actually slid last month to the lowest level since March of 2021. So you're right. We've got some strong indicators here that people aren't quitting their jobs because they're not confident that they can find something else. It does seem to be pointing in the directions of we need to be cautious. And obviously people are listening.
0: Can we say that the great resignation is officially over? I think so.
1: I think so. Let's go with that. So, Another in the news, Serge, that I wanted to talk about, I think the Canadian federal government has been listening to you, Serge. Good. Because Immigration Canada has announced a new program to fill in-demand jobs. And so last week we talked about the fact that there's such a disconnect of employers saying you must have a bachelor's degree, yet – There's twice as many unemployed people with bachelor's degrees. And you keep saying, we have demonized the trades. We're not promoting service work among our youth. The immigration minister, Sean Fraser, he must have heard you search. Like, I'm just convinced you need to be in Ottawa. Because with this new program, they're looking at skilled immigrants to increase the pool of those that have trades, such as carpenters, plumbers, and contractors transport as in drivers, agricultural and agri-food. So I think that's really good news.
0: It is fantastic news. And I think they're hitting exactly where our challenges are in the labor market and addressing them. And it's one of the ways we can address it. Bringing in a ton of people with not the right skill set doesn't help anyone because the other factor, we bring in people, we don't have housing for them and we don't have a job for them, what type of experience that is? Let's bring in people that can actually help our labor pool.
1: Absolutely. This is such a good step. I was so encouraged to read this. This is being very responsive to what are our actual economic needs and not who's got the loudest voice in Ottawa to represent their industry sector.
0: Well, talking about loudest voice, one of the things that I found interesting in this was they're increasing the number of French proficient candidates to help ensure the vitality of the French speaking communities. Interesting. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up.
1: Yeah, no, I'm bringing it up because I'm French. It'd be very inappropriate for me to point that out in this article, but there is a yeah. heavy focus on French language. Yeah.
0: In one way, I I don't have an issue with it because we do have a large labor market in Quebec that is struggling. We do have to fill every province with the skill sets and French being critical. But the other side of it, like it doesn't go in depth of what's the percentage, right? If 50% of people need to have French proficient skills, we're crazy because literally outside of Quebec and parts of New Brunswick, There is very limited French. Like there is some in Alberta and in Manitoba, certain parts of Ontario, but it's so small. And I don't want us to just bring in people based on their language skills in French compared to do they actually have the skill sets that we need to be able to be successful in Canada. But overall, I'm really happy with it. I want to jump into the tip of the week. So what do you
1: got for us?
0: Shelly, on this show and other shows, we talk a lot about AI. AI has just become reality of what we do. And we actually had a conversation about this with Ben Eubanks as far as the importance of AI. And his thought was you just need to understand the basic of how it works. And I don't disagree. But my counterpoint was we never have an opportunity to sit at the table because we never have the same knowledge as our marketing folks, our supply chain folks, our finance folks, like they're all over this stuff. Google, which I got to give full credit to Google when it comes to training the next set of skills that we need in the workforce. They've done this with UX, UI design, analyst type roles, where you can go in and actually take some pretty in-depth accredited course through Google to get that skill set. They've just launched what they call a generative AI learning path with 10 different courses designed to give the average Joe a better understanding of how AI and machine learning works. That's great. That's what we need. So the tip of the week, go do this. It's free. Who doesn't want to talk about this in an intelligent manner and think about the credibility as a recruiter because AI is going to become way more dominant in our space. So let's get ahead of it. Let's take this free course. I have started it and it's impressive and I also feel stupid because I'm learning a ton of things that... I thought I knew everything. So there you go. Tip of the week. You'll
1: soon be smarter. You'll soon be smarter. That is a great tip of the week, Serge, because it's one thing to just keep telling people that AI is not going to take your job, but people who understand AI. Great tip. Can we include that in the show notes?
0: We will. Yeah, we'll include the link directly to Google. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Okay. Thank you for that, Serge. So let's move into recruiting insights this week. I'm going to start with something that's gone a little bit viral. Anna Papalea is someone I follow, not on TikTok, but she does have Instagram reels. She talks always about recruitment, former recruiter. She now has her own company. At any rate, some of the things she says is a little controversial, which is the point to get people talking, but people have gone bananas over this. (laughs) She said, nobody likes a job hopper. In her spiel, she goes on to talk about why and what she means by a job hopper and the fact that job seekers are not doing themselves any favor. The backlash on this has been really sharp. People are saying stuff like spoken like a true hiring manager from a real toxic company that's getting a 2.5 star employee reviews. Keep it up, girl. I wanted to talk about the fact that maybe I'm being a boomer because loyalties does matter. But what do I consider to be a job hopper? I am taking into full consideration the timeline. When did they change jobs very frequently? So you'd have to be a moron if you don't understand what's happened since Q1 of 2020. Before the pandemic, you've got to keep in context what was going on in the world, what was going on in that industry. Job hoppers, by my definition, is someone who I can look back for as long as they've had any job listed on the resume, and they've never stayed longer than six months. That, to me, is a chronic job hopper. And I get that there's reasons, but when you've got somebody's resume who, for the last 11 years, what they chose to list on the resume indicates that they've never stayed anywhere, even close to a year. and I know that at the one-year mark of anybody in any job at any level in any industry is when you start to realize either you're super competent at what you do or you become aware of how little you really know. And it's year two where you really start to become comfortable, competent. You've seen a full set of the financial cycle within the business. That's when the payoff starts. For most people, I agree with her, sir. Okay, boomer.
0: Okay, so I'm glad you define what you thought is a job hopper, because Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that is the definition for everyone. Because if you talk to a lot of hiring managers, anywhere below five years is a job hopper, or even three years or two years. But also, I'm looking at the type of jobs they've had. If they've had ten minimum wage right. job context. or like Absolutely. context is really context important is here, right? Yep. Let's look at maybe someone as an entry level role, say in finance. If you're switching jobs in finance every six months, you are hundred percent right. There's no way that you're really capturing how to do the job correctly. You did say one word that really struck me as interesting, loyalty, 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 mm. Is something that boomers think a lot about. Not a lot of generation X, my generation, millennials or Gen Z really think anything about loyalty because it goes both ways. Yeah. The boomers came from generation, and the ones before the boomers came from a generation that you could stay at a company for 25 years. You would get health care, you would get a pension, and at the end of the day, you get a nice gold watch. And That was loyalty. They gave you reasons to stay for a long time. They never did layoffs. That changed completely with our generations. We have grown up where times are tough. We're laying off staff. Employers in the U.S. specifically do everything possible not to pay healthcare as a benefit. So why would I stay is Mm -hmm. the question, right? If I can get a better opportunity... So those factors put in play. I don't have a pension like the boomers did. Why am I loyal? I'm trying to maximize every dollar in my career as much as I can. So anyone that's saying a job hopper two to three years is bad, I think is wrong. Because in this economy, the only way to get more money is to switch jobs. So I am going to maybe disagree with her not knowing the context, if the context is jumping jobs every four to six months, yes, that doesn't look great. But people are switching jobs every two to three years. i rather hire that person than that person that's been 20 years at a company because the pace of change in the last 10 years and with AI is going to even be faster. I do not want someone that doesn't have a lot of breadth of information and knowledge. They might have depth in that particular company, but I, I guess I sway on both ends. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: I don't think you'll get any disagreement from me on that. I, I was agreeing. hoping.
0: I was hoping. No, no, we'd loyalty,
1: it is also a two-way street. If you're with an organization where you're constantly seeing them doing layoffs every six or seven months, they're laying off five people here, 10 people there. Yeah. How could you have any sort of trust or confidence and why would you be loyal to somebody so abusive and toxic? But I yeah. think the other really important thing here is to never look at it in general, broad sweeping terms. Always look at it in context. What is the industry? What is the job family? What was happening in the world and in the economy? I think that's where I wanted to leave it was just on the yeah. fact that you've got to have context.
0: And can I have the last word on this one, Shelly?
1: Oh, of course. <laughs> Please
0: do. So, the one point, especially in the more entry level roles, if you worked for a really bad employer in the past, you just stayed, right? You just stayed because you couldn't find another job. Now, there is such a multitude of jobs, especially in the entry level side. You're not going to take shit from your boss that's an asshole. I'm just going to move on. And I'll tell you, there is a lot of shitty bosses in those types of roles. Yeah.
1: And that is why people will leave even if it is a dollar more, or even for the same money. But if your boss is a jerk. Yeah. So speaking of recruiting at entry level, you and I had talked a bit about the episode of Recruiting Future that Aline Bailey recorded when we were at Unleash. And she really was stirring up conversation around a recruiterless recruiting world. And her prediction in that episode was that in the next 12 months, a company, probably a large company, will do it. And I know we talked about it on the episode here earlier this week. And I found an article from 2019, yeah. Search, from 2019, that McDonald's has actually been recruiterless recruiting since 2019. And they have had. Phenomenal success. When you look at a company like McDonald's, where they're hiring over a million hourly workers in the US alone, it's high volume and not all the stores are corporately owned. In fact, 90% of their stores are franchisees. It turns out that McDonald's has been successfully doing this since 2019. Interesting launch time because we all know what happened in the years following, but they have had incredible success. And no recruiters involved. The franchise owners are in there hiring their own people. Paradox was their technology partner in doing this, but it really was a smashing success. And candidates did say that it was actually a good experience. 95% said it was a positive candidate experience. Wow, Wow. This isn't something of the future. As a matter of fact, here's somebody who's already done it well, and they must have been using AI.
0: Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. And like when we talk about AI, we're all thinking chat GPT, but AI has been in the recruitment space for years. There's conversational AI, which is what Paradox Olivia is. But to dive in a little bit deeper, first of all, a million hires. Can you imagine? Hourly. Holy. Hourly. Yeah.
1: Hourly. Yeah. These are hourly, no experience necessary. Come to us, we will train you, which is what McDonald's has always been known for, right? Bring a a good attitude and we will train you.
0: Yeah, I think what was really interesting when you look at the challenge of hiring a million workers, how do you even tackle that? So when they launched what they call McHire, which is, of course, McDonald's, make in front of anything. The first tool that they leverage is Paradox. A couple of things that they did is really personalizing the candidate experience through text to apply. The generation they're hiring are using a mobile phone the majority of the time. And to be honest, I don't think they like talking to anyone on purpose if they don't need to. It's not like 19-year-olds are picking up the phone and calling their friends. Like you they're nailed, it. You their nailed friend. it.
1: They don't want to talk on the phone.
0: What it did, it replaced all the ATS and really created one unified channel, which I can only imagine how difficult it is with a whole network of these franchises, like 95%, I think you said were franchises. Yeah. And basically the whole experience is recruiterless to the end till the hiring manager gets the text and this candidate, based on all these questions, fits the criteria. Do you want to move forward? The hiring manager goes yes, then starts the process of onboarding that employee. Genius. For that type of volume, it's pretty much the only way you could do it. Because if you start involving recruiters, it would slow down the process dramatically. And you're not trying to determine anything. Do you have a pulse? Do you want a job?
1: Well, other than do you have a pulse? And can you get to work on time? I do believe there's other things at play here. You've got to actually want to do the work and willing to do the work. The one thing I did want to point out, though, that I loved about this whole process and making it just seamless, is they never lost sight that who they're recruiting is also their customers. Yes. Everybody eats at McDonald's. So they made sure that the average candidate time spent completing the application through McHire is close to the average time a customer spends going through a drive through. Brilliant. They win. Brilliant. They win. They win. Well, somebody has done it.
0: Can I go through the process? Because I think it's a ton of value for people listening. Candidates scan a QR code at a restaurant location which starts a direct text message with Olivia for that location. Olivia engages with candidates by providing real-time response to applicants text message. Olivia also validates basic information such as location and role of interest. Does the initial screening on prerequisite such as work authorization and minimum wage requirements and schedule interviews based on the mutual availability of hiring managers as well as the candidate? Olivia auto-schedules these interviews as well as provides the options for candidate to answer pre-recorded interview question. Boom. Done. For those roles, that's literally all you need to do recruiter gets in the way when Ellen was talking about the recruiter recruitment department she mm-hmm. wasn't talking no one works in recruitment that wasn't the case what she was talking about is we're going to see roles like prompt engineers data analysts AI experts recruitment marketers all within that department but there's no physical recruiters and McDonald's example is a perfect that I don't think people care if they don't have the human interaction, if they're now going to get responses, they're not going to get ghosted. I think we're running a risk of overthinking our impact as recruiters to the overall experience.
1: Serge, you just touched on something. It segues beautifully into our next recruiting insight. Do you want to talk about your crystal ball?
0: Yeah, this is a very interesting topic because it covers where we started the tip of the week with you should learn about AI because it's coming. And also this example from McDonald's, this is a complete prediction. And the author is very clear that he doesn't know if any of this will actually come to fruition. But this is the four likely scenarios of what recruiting will look like in 2028, which is five years from now. Five years is not really a long time. Think about it. The pandemic was already three years ago, Shelly. Yes, it goes by really quickly, but we are seeing a pace of change that we've never seen before. So it's all possible. And I'll go through the four different scenarios. And then let's talk about the ones that you think will happen and not happen. Scenario one is the automated function. Computer, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and blockchain will have automated recruiting. Hiring managers will not need recruiters as they will have access to powerful apps that will do everything from creating job requirements to sourcing to screening to assessing to recommending an appropriate salary. At the same time, candidates will get very similar tools on their end. Basically, this will remove the whole recruiter out of the function, similar to how Ellen has predicted. That's the first scenario. Scenario two is the augmenting function. Pretty much everything that has the automated function, but it's adding that in between that's dealing the relationships with the hiring managers and the candidates. You're leveraging all this technology, but you're running things through the process. An and obviously, yeah, you're an advisor. Perfect. an advisor. Then the third one was the self service function. The hiring managers will be offered a series of self-help apps that could give them some independence from recruiters. For example, they could use an app to help them create job requirements and advise them on where to advertise a job. Another app might provide candidate assessment and rank candidates for the hiring managers. Other apps could create offers and suggest salaries, but whatever app they choose, they will still require a recruiter for advice on how to do certain things such as interview candidates and close them. It's not that off the initial one. The last one is scenario four. A new profession arises, the talent concierge. Work is primarily automated and the need for workers has dropped dramatically. Most firms have only a handful of employees who tap into a network of consultants, contractors, and other non-permanent workers. Office and physical workspace are rare and exist only to manufacture product, provide healthcare, or service to public, such as restaurants and hotels. Most people work remotely with occasional get togethers with peers or fellow workers to share IDs and work on projects. Four scenarios. If you had a million dollars to bet on this and it's going to be one of these four scenarios in five years from now, which one would you choose, Shelley?
1: in five years, I believe it's going to be the augmented function. I'm excited about the whole idea of a talent concierge. But we tie that into some other research we just saw about global trends on hybrid work focused on anybody, anywhere, anytime, right? Like that whole hybrid work and on demand skills. So I didn't find that really shocking. I mean, nice title, though. I like talent concierge. I I don't believe the automated function is going to happen only because Well, you know what? We just talked about McDonald's. So, some jobs, some industries, that absolutely has already happened. The self service function, I think there are parts of the recruitment process that should be self served. They're so easy, there's no magic to that. But I like the idea of augmented, where what a recruitment or talent acquisition advisor brings is That level of expertise because nobody wants to do scheduling interviews. Nobody wants to do pre screens. But when we're trying to figure out what skills fit and bring the best skills to the team and fit in with the team, that's where there needs to be someone who can ask those intelligent questions because it's specific to your company, size, industry, who else is there, which is not something an app can do. There's still a human dynamic and element to it. I'm leaning more towards scenario two. What about you?
0: Yeah, shit. I was hoping we'd have something different. Number two is going to happen and it's already Mm -hmm. in process. We're already in the midst of it and it's going to change quite rapidly. I think within five years, that's completely realistic. The automated function, to your point, we just showed you an example of how it can actually work like hiring branch. Their whole tool is built around this. Fuck interviews, right? Interviews are going to be a thing in the past. For high
1: volume call center for sure. Yeah. We've yeah. got to keep in context, the industry and the volume of hiring.
0: The yeah. scenario three, the self-service function to me is funny because hiring managers are idiots. There's no way they can well, even, they are, they are. There's, they're not going to have four different apps. I don't see that happening. No disc to
1: hiring managers, search. They've got a full-time job. Thank you very much and part of their
0: full-time job is hiring people it's probably the most important part of their job would yes. you not agree
1: is hiring and recruiting an app yeah you're right i can't see i can't see people doing the app either
0: the talent concierge so what they describe here is a completely revamp of how we work that is not going to happen in the next 5 years is it going to happen in 10 years, 15 years? I pretty much guarantee that that's where we're going. A lot more freelance, a lot more contractors, a lot less of physical employees working nine to five every day. I think that is the future of work, but for 10 to 15 years before scenario four is even a consideration. On that note, that's another episode of the Recruitment Flex. Shelly. Thank you, Serge. Fun, funny, fun, well, fun. Hope you have a great weekend.
1: Thank you. And we would love to get feedback from the audience, please, on our new brand. I know you're going to love it. So thanks, cool. Serge. Have a great Thank weekend. Thank you. Bye bye. How
0: much do you understand the future of finance?